0: Welcome to The Secret Life of Dietitians. I'm Laura Poland.
1: And I'm Amy Keller.
0: Today, we are going to talk with guest speaker. I'm so excited to have her on. Her name is Jennifer, and she contacted me about responding to, uh, how do I respond as a dietitian to keto diet when a client walks in the door? And I thought that was a great question. And after that, I kept having all these things pop up on my social media feeds that made me think about this topic even more. And one of them was this great meme, and it was like a bingo card and it was food BS bingo. And the words on here are big food, dirty dozen, nutrient poor, toxic, glyphosate, processed food, cheap food, big ag, doused with chemicals, factory food, antibiotics, hormones, factory farm, GMOs, broken food system, and pesticides. And I don't know about...
1: I'm already angry.
0: (laughs) I was going to say, I don't know about you, Amy, but these are the trigger words for me, definitely. I do. I get triggered when I hear these words. So today you're going to hear three dietitians dishing on how we feel about some of these trigger words and uh, special fad diets, we'll call them. so thank you for joining us again today we are going to talk about fad diets and i'd like to introduce our guest speaker jennifer mccann and she graduated from the ohio state university medical dietetics program last year last may Um, she's been a full-time working dietitian in private practice outpatient clinic specializing in endocrine disease including diabetes she lives with her husband of two years and her dog, Cash, like Johnny Cash. Uh, she enjoys cooking new recipes, then having great ideas to share with her patients, as well as creative baking, gardening, and yoga. So welcome,
1: Jennifer. Hello. So we thought we'd start because Laura and I are kind of old lady dietitians, <laughs> And when I hear you graduated last year, now I feel especially old. Um, <laughs> I know, you know, as Laura talked about those trigger foods that we were talking about at the beginning and how they make us angry, and I think part of it is just the number of years that we've been practicing and the number of times that we've heard it, but I love to hear the perspective of a new dietitian. So um, I know you had a story that brought you to us, and I thought maybe it'd be good if you shared that, and then maybe just kind of how you feel about this stuff.
2: Yeah, so I've been at a, working at Diabetes and Endocrinology Center of Ohio for one year now, just had my kind of one-year work bursary. <laughs> so I definitely, I see, of course, being at an endocrinology center, I see a lot of patients with diabetes, type 1, type 2, prediabetes, insulin resistance, um, and the whole gamut of um, endocrine disorders. So, I may be kind of run into the ketogenic diet, maybe more than other um, areas of practice. Yep. Uh, since that it <laughs> kind of uh, coming out or has come out in the various studies, you know, some. Of course newer smaller studies with that being a way to go for some individuals with diabetes for blood sugar control weight loss and etc and how these kind of snippets of, um, of uh, different studies kind of make their way into the media and then make their way to our patients ears and that's kind of all they hear is the snippet so um, I have had a number of patients, I guess, come to me with that asking about a ketogenic diet, how that I think it might be beneficial for them, some who have already tried. And for the most part, I am happy to say that most of my patients are very happy and open to listen to my thoughts and feelings and direction that I um, encourage them to go kind of elsewhere, maybe do more of a, a low carb, high protein, moderate fat, and how we can do this with a healthy You know well-rounded intake that isn't excluding any food groups isn't excluding any of our um, beneficial macronutrients and kind of going that route um but i did at, at one point in time earlier on i think this was you know a number of months ago now had an individual who came to me and very, very set on doing a keto diet. This individual had been doing one already. They had moved from an area where they had been seeing a previous dietitian um, in a different um, state completely that had been coaching them on a keto diet. So when I let them know that I wasn't comfortable um, continuing that with them and was trying to help them go a different route, they became very distraught and angry with me um, to the point where I couldn't really uh, continue the conversation. They didn't want to schedule a follow-up with me. So that's when I reached out to Laura, and through the Facebook group that we're in together, I was like, "How? How is the best way to handle this when a patient reacts in, in that way?" I felt like I I felt like I said the things I normally say, and it just it didn't work. So, what is yeah. maybe another way to go about it? Right.
1: <laughs> I think we've all had that experience where patients come in. I mean, I guess I've had it both ways. You know, like I've had patients who come in thinking I'm going to put them on a yes. low-carb, strict, 1200 calorie a day diet. And when I say I'm not, they're like, oh, well, this is great. <laughs> right. but you're not planning to do that. They're thrilled. <laughs> but I've had that, you know, patient or two or three that have come in with a very set idea of what I should do. And and I think that's something that um, I know that we've talked about before, that because everybody eats, everybody thinks they're an expert. Or they've spent enough time mm-hmm. doing their own research that <laughs> they feel like they know what they're doing i am a little concerned that you had a dietitian out of state who was coaching a keto diet i wonder if that came more from, from the physician that was advising the patient maybe than the dietitian who knows his or her hands may have been tied on that but i'm just i'm i can see that absolutely being i i know i'm sure Lori, you've had that experience as well
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it, it makes me nervous. And I'm like, oh, well, hmm, maybe I need to do some more. I always think, oh, maybe I don't know what's current and what's out there now. <laughs> maybe yeah. I missed. Did I miss some studies that came out? And, you know, so I do try to stay up on that uh, by following. There's a daily news for dietitians that compiles all the news that's out there that kind of is related to our field. So I try to stay up on things like that and but i also like think about that and caution you to i mean your point jennifer about your patients they hear the headlines they hear the sensationalism of a sto- of a research project that's done been done but but when you look deeper into the research you know was it a good study and and we've gone through that in this podcast is you know was it a meaningful study was it a really great study that would make you really think twice about it. Um, and four
1: participants.
0: <laughs> right. Or, or, Were four there thousand? four or a oh. thousand participants? Right. right, So, okay, so then I had another um, thing on my social media that came up, which there was a doctor that posted in Twitter, you know, is there a profession like being a doctor where people without anywhere near your level of training think they know better than you? To which a dietician replied, try being a registered dietitian nutritionist for five minutes <laughs>
1: yeah. that's the way it feels like for us i think
0: right, right? so uh, i
1: think uh, that's have you have you picked up yeah. on that already jennifer i know you're new still
2: <laughs> maybe you're not jaded like i am <laughs> <laughs>
1: me
0: too
2: yeah i mean i definitely have had i've had that i've had a number of patients too who come to me and or like I've, I've seen all the dietitians. I have X, Y, and Z history with the dietitians. Some people have even come to me saying, hey, I don't have a, a good history with dietitians <laughs> and this is what's happened and this is what how oh. I feel about it and this is, yeah, and kind of makes, you know, so I, they're on guard and they're on edge when they come to me and then, and then they go into the gamut of I know everything, I know what to do, I just don't do it yeah okay there's there's still more to learn though I'm I'm still learning things myself and I went to you know graduate school for this so let's find what you what I can help you learn
0: (laughs) yeah yeah I think for sure something you just said there uh triggered me that happens to me all the time too is when they've had a bad experience with a dietitian and you mentioned that they're on alert to me as a dietitian I'm also then very much more so on alert and I'm also much more, okay, how can I make this better? How can I make, you know, them understand? And and so I always feel like, okay, I'm going to get pushback. Where am I going to get pushback? And how can I help them the best I can and, and just focus on evidence-based? And, yeah.
1: Right. I think that comes with experience. I'm like you, Laura. When yeah, I, absolutely. Whenever, yeah, <laughs> when, when patients come in and they say, well, this is what I'm going to do because I read this. Then I think, man, did I miss something? You know, because it's really not possible to keep up on everything. I mean, it's just it's not, not possible. Right. You know, my specialty being celiac disease. I mean, i stay up very well on that, but I don't keep up as well on diabetes as I would like just because of time. I have, I'm one person. I have one brain that I can stuff information <laughs> to. Um So yeah, I totally get that. The other thing I wonder, Jennifer, do you find in your clinic, I'm just curious, and maybe Laura, that you find this as well, that physicians are making recommendations like
2: this? Yes, absolutely. And um, even some of the physicians and doctors in my office that I have a great relationship with and work closely with, but prior to me coming there, and, and they still do, I mean, that's part of their part of their job in a way is to help give recommendations because they are seeing more, they get to see more people in a, day, in a day than I do. But I think prior to me coming there, some of the doctors were giving a lot more recommendations of saying, this is how much carbohydrate to try to have in a day, this much protein. And, you know, and they, you know, have their, um, and I've talked with them with this, so not like I'm talking behind their backs, but they have their, their blanket amount and their set amount mm-hmm. that they give everyone. And I have definitely, and I've had conversations with them and in our staff meetings trying to put that out, like when you say, to have you know this much grams of carbohydrate for someone who's 130 pounds, that's very different than when you're saying it to someone who's 230 pounds, and it's not going to work the same way because you're not putting into perspective the protein, fat, and all of that adds up to so the calories, and they need different amounts of calories. Um, <laughs> So, yes, not only, you know, with other you know practitioners outside of our practice, but even within the practice, and that's something I continue to work with the doctors, and they're very open and, and, and listen to what I have to say, which is something that's I am great. grateful for. Yes. I'm happy to be there. Yeah.
0: That's great. And I think usually that's my, situ- my perspective also is I think once you can get a relationship going with the physician and... Let them know they can trust you to take care of the patients and and make the right decisions and make the right prescription for what they need. That that works really
1: well. So, yeah. I think it's a confidence thing for me. I think sometimes the doctors care a lot more than I think they, or care a lot less than I think they do. Um. Um, you know, or they'll send somebody to me with kind of a weird diet, and if I reply saying, "Well, that's not really appropriate," oh, that's fine, whatever, <laughs> right?
2: Right. <laughs> you know, they don't just care. Just instruct
1: whatever you think is right. 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 They don't really care. Right. You know, like as long as they're getting that patient's nutrition taken care of, and they did the right thing by referring to a dietitian, but I'll get some kind of wacky stuff, and when yeah. I up, well that that that's not really what we do anymore <laughs> oh okay fine whatever right
0: yeah you're right a lot of times it's not it's not difficult think, to get I your point assume, across
1: i think we they, we assume they care so much about it and yeah they, they don't they just want somebody to take care of it and right. that's
2: fine that's what, yep. what we should do that's
0: yep, what we're so here for even
2: with like specific food groups like i've had some people afraid of carrots because they were like dr so-and-so told me not to have carrots because of how much sugar is in there <sighs> And that's something I've heard more than I care to, you know, yes. hear to hear. And yeah. that's something I've addressed, you know, too, with, you know, physicians that I am in contact with. And they've gone to say like, oh, I was more so worried about the things they were dipping them in. I'm like, well, that's not how the patients hear. They hear they have to stay away from carrots in general. And again, going on to discuss how that's actually a non-starchy vegetable. I guess there's a little more starch in them than some of the other non-starchies, but what happens when you have a variety of different vegetables they're all going to be a little different nutrient profile yeah um, so that kind of was i think one of the hurdles i had to you know jump over and kind of one of the myths within the endocrine office world <laughs> <I was laughs> working on the spelling for a little while
0: so yeah. i think i i did a little more research this time too and i i put this out to uh the local dietitians here and i got some responses on you know, what do they tell their clients when they're working with them about fad diets? So uh, the first dietitian, her name is Barbara McSheffery. She's a retired dietitian now, but she's been around the block quite a bit, and she has some good advice here. She said if she was counseling a client, she would always ask them to walk through the fad diet menu with her and to see how nutritionally adequate it was. And so if it was in a casual conversation and just like somebody off the street asking her she would ask why they would want they wanted to know or would they offer this diet to a loved one of theirs and is that something that they think that their loved one would maybe be interested in having so trying to to get them to understand get yourself to understand why the person is interested in this fad diet Janelle Bayless with Bayless Bites would love to chat, um, I'm sorry, (laughs) to sum it up for her um, is she asks people if they can see themselves following a fad diet for life, and that's something I've done a few times too. And do you think you can follow this diet for a long period of time? If not, you know, what's the point since anything that's temporary, uh, that's the result too is temporary is her point.
2: I actually said that today with a Did patient too. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually keto. Not that that's the only bad diet that I hear or see, but it's the biggest one for sure. Um, yep. and I kind of used that phrasing with this person. Yep. It was something that they had done, lost the weight, but didn't stick with it. And now it's back.
0: Right. So it's definitely an opportunity to talk about long-term strategies she talks about. And then Julie Tobias with nerd. I'm sorry, nature by nutrition, she said for her, it depends on how tied they are to the idea of the fad diet. If they're just asking in general, she's glad to talk about it. And then, you know, talk to them about exploring their options. But if they're more likely telling them about a fad diet that they support, she's a little more concerned that they won't be open to the dangers and to the long-term health approach. So I do find that sometimes there's a fine line of how much you really you know, talk about the dangers or something like that, depending on how somebody's, and that might be why some people feel like they have a bad association with a dietitian or they had a bad meeting with a dietitian. I don't know. Have you guys ever had that and had that experience?
1: You mean in terms of talking about the dangers of a diet?
0: Yeah. Like how much, or, or like just that that line of uh, how much do you really share with that person in terms of that that conception that they have about a diet and their excitement about a diet. Because I do have, I have people that come to me and they're just super excited about that diet and, and they think it's going to be the greatest thing. And so I find for me trying to be supportive but also trying to take a little step back. And I like these other strategies that we talked about with some of the other dietitians talk about, is it something that you could do for a long time, you know, but if they're really sold on it, then I, I've done that before with some people and said, okay, let's try it and, um, let's see how, see how it goes and let's meet again and talk about how it went. (laughs) Sometimes you got to give them a little bit of time to try the diet too and see how they really feel about it.
1: I think sometimes they, they get into it and it's much more than they bargained for. Yeah. I see that with people who go gluten free. They're like, Oh, well this is more difficult than mm-hmm. I had anticipated. What do you mean I have to get a new toaster? <laughs> so like right. they're they're not really ready for that. And again, it sounds really good, you know, from a headline or maybe somebody shared a blog post with them or even a podcast and kind of sold them on the idea. That once they get into the first week or two, then, the, you know, the rubber meets the road. And they're much more, oh, yeah, I can see maybe right. what you were saying right. about that. I, I totally agree with the, what all the dietitians in this group said, too. Again, can you see yourself doing this long term? You know, and the other thing, look, what are your food preferences? If you don't like meat, keto is probably not your thing. Right. You know, if you're not willing right. to eat meat twice a day, probably you know, this isn't maybe for you, you know, if you really, really love bread, why would you take something away that you love and just, you know, are you planning really to give this up for the rest of your life? Mm -hmm. Is that, is that what you think that you can do if you love it? Do you feel like you can part with this? You've had your last piece of bread ever. (laughs)
2: Right. Because that's now what you're going to require of yourself.
0: Yeah. Yep.
2: I think that's a good point, Amy, because the especially the bread thing. Because I hear so many people too within uh, the area I'm in saying, like, I love, I love my carbs, I love my bread, I love my pasta, but I can't eat it. It does horrible things for me. It makes me gain weight if I even have a bite, and that's so hard to hear sometimes. Um, <laughs> and kind of and work with them, and be like, how, how can I make you less afraid and of bread and pasta and then I think that's the time too that I go into education and I think that's where yes. the education part really opens the door and sheds some light and talk about okay well let's talk about what other foods are carbohydrates and a lot of times that's just an, a big opener where people don't recognize mm-hmm. the fruits and the different vegetables and the dairy products that count as carbohydrate I'm like well you're eating these things and not <laughs> bloating up and gaining 10 pounds in one day right so like it's not the carbohydrates let's talk about you know if you like bread and pasta let's talk about ways to have brand pasta, but choose healthier versions or choose ones that aren't gonna spike your blood sugar as much and what do we pair it with and the portion size. So I think the education there is a big portion that helps kind of get past the fear and the um and some of what Laura was talking about with that kind of flashing of ideas when I have um, patients who are in that area.
0: Because there's a lot of fear on the internet. And, you know, and so this is another meme I found this week. I swear they were, like, popping out at me, like, everywhere. But it was a um, a meme that says, Show me on the doll where the carbohydrates touched you. (laughs) So it's just, you know you know, we need to enjoy our food and, and leave other people alone too at times. So now I have another dietitian that I wanted to bring up what she said. Um, her name is Lamise Lehem and, uh, she is with, uh, let's see here, um, Sincere Nutrition. And she said that she likes to try to understand where people got the idea from, you know, and, terms of the the details of the fad diet. Some people, are, she feels, are just craving that structure. So they, um, she likes to re- really find out why they think it's appealing and then go into how we can make lifestyle changes that are more appealing. And so, you know, we all it's te- know it's tempting to, that, um, you know, dieting for weight loss, but, you know, understanding what that is and then kind of going back to the the lifestyle, so. I thought that was a good point too.
2: I do agree. Go ahead, Jennifer. Sorry. <laughs> I saying, that's actually kind of a thought that I had as I was rushing to make my quick dinner tonight, because I my grocery store trip went long and I still was like, I still need to eat because I don't like to eat that late. So I threw something together and this was a moment like a moment where I was like, oh, this is just what I talk about with my patients, where it's like we're in a hurry. What can we eat that's healthy, that's not takeout or fast food. Um, so it's like I had a frozen bag of steamable Asian mix that had like edamame and different, you know, starchy and non-starchy vegetables and so together with a can of tuna. And <laughs> then I had a bag salad on the side. So, you know, it took me all of five minutes, but it was still, you know, healthy and colorful. Yeah, not my healthiest or fanciest dinner that I've made. <laughs> um, but and I, as I was doing that, I was like, this is what, my patients say when they're like I just want to be told what to do
0: yes so, exactly
2: like what a fad diet is and I, that thought hit me since we were about to do this podcast <laughs> as I was eating dinner I was like, yeah. yeah this is why fad diets are you know such a thing because people right. want that- structure and want to be told what to do and my patients constantly are saying tell me what to do and I'm like but that's not how you learn (laughs) right make me make me a meal plan that's
1: yes yes can you make me a menu
0: make me a. tell me exactly what to eat every day every meal it just doesn't work that way
2: <laughs> yeah, like, like we need a lot more time than we have. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. But
0: I think <laughs> I think yep. I have taken that idea of needing structure, and I that's helped me in my practice to have some things in my pocket to give them some that sense of structure. I think it is very important. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: So absolutely okay finally I have to mention one more dietitian okay. our uh, um, another guest speaker we've had on in the past Mary Angela Miller she said um, when a friend can asks conversationally what do you think about a fat trend or diet she's come to realize that although they are posing a question they are really seeking affirmation mm-hmm. which I usually can't provide she says my response has evolved over over the Uh, years based on what she's come to learn about average person scientific literacy and um, her communication trainings so to resist scolding and instead share uh, something helpful or positive so rather than conveying well if they really valued a dietitian opinion, why didn't they ask me before going down this road? Instead, I ask, what are you trying to accomplish? And then why did you select that this particular diet to do so? And then suggest a few other ways to help them achieve their goals. I thought that was a really good idea too.
1: So I think it's important to maybe kind of Put your warning signs up and wonder maybe what is a fad diet and so um, i'll put this link up on the show notes but this is from the better health channel in australia and i thought it was such a good review of what fad diets are and maybe the, the warning signs of them um, i've seen variations of this list before but i think it's it's pretty short and sweet so the first one is promises a quick fix so that may be the biggest sign of a fad diet for me, you know, lose 10 pounds overnight. You can lose 30 pounds by, you know, July 4th. Um, (laughs) yep. You know, just completely unrealistic, uh, expectations of what this diet will do for you.
0: Absolutely. I like to point out when it says, you know, that lose a pound a week, I, or, you know, or I'm sorry, I, it's ten pound. I forget what what it normally is. It's like a pound a day, um, right. you know. So it's like, well, no, it's not possible to lose a pound a day. That's three thousand five hundred calories equals a pound. You don't even need, or you want your body won't even burn <laughs> that many calories in a day. So I try to explain how that is just not physically possible. Yeah,
2: I always wonder too on those diets that are like lose, you know. 20 pounds by 4th of July when did they start advertising that because you <laughs> could lose 40 pounds by 4th of July if you started you know back in Less. January November, <laughs> yeah <right? laughs> those are always really sketchy yep yep
0: for sure the sec,
2: the second one is
1: promoting magic foods or combinations of foods and I don't see this as much in my practice but maybe you do like with sort of food combining or you know if you have your carbs with breakfast but not with lunch or if you drink apple cider vinegar please don't yes oh my gosh yeah yes yep Yep. so tell tell me like what
2: where have you guys seen that Yeah, I've definitely had um, people who are come in and tell what I do there because I like to do a typical day, a typical recall to get to know what they're doing before I start, you know, giving recommendations and, and educating and education. Um, And I've had a number of people say, okay, I do this apple cider vinegar and lemon drink every morning. And I go, do you like that? Does it it taste good? And they go, no, it's awful. I'm like, why are you doing it? (laughs) They always think it's helping their metabolism, helping them lose weight. And I'm like, well, if you want to put a little apple cider vinegar dressing on your salad because it tastes good and it's no calories, awesome. Then do that as a dressing. If you want to add some lemon into your water because you like the taste of it, please do. That'll help you drink more water. But the, I think the biggest thing I see that is people doing different things to try to boost their metabolism. And I think Mm -hmm. that's the bad, bad, um, falsification things that people hear a
0: lot is yep. ways to boost my metabolism. I, yeah. on that? <laughs> I agree. I have the same thing. I have, a I have some pa- patients who've come in and they have like kind of a whole list of things. Once they really get familiar with me too, they're like, okay, I need to know, does this help my metabolism? Does this help my metabolism? And it's always just single foods and that type of thing. Food combination that had been big in the past. It, it, Comes and goes in waves, I think. But um, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. I had some people with um, carb, other non-dietitian professionals telling them about carb cycling, and that's something that I hadn't been as familiar with until um, I had some patients come in who had done it in the past, and it was really messing up their blood sugar control.
0: Yeah. So
2: <laughs> what 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 is this? Yeah, that was
1: interesting to learn. Yeah. Um, The third one implies that food can change body chemistry. And if I had a dollar for the number of times I've heard we can change our pH, (laughs) oh my goodness, I'd be a rich woman and I could retire. So let's just bust this myth once and for all. You cannot change radically the pH of your body. You cannot. Nope you don't want to frankly right. <laughs> because the, then you will be in the ICU or possibly dead right. so yeah we do not want to change the pH of our body and no matter what you eat or drink I don't care how much alkaline water you buy you are not changing your body's chemistry
0: no and, <laughs> no because <laughs> it's yeah your bloodstream and your GI tract not gonna react together so yeah. So much into that one yeah let's move on
1: (laughs) so the next one excludes or severely restricts food groups or nutrients such as carbs and i feel like we've kind of talked about this a little (laughs) bit already but i always say again these food group restriction diets are not sustainable they never are and that's something and again unless you're choosing like for example to be a vegetarian as a lifestyle choice and you're comfortable with that lifestyle choice that's a totally different thing but from a fad diet perspective, you know, removing carbs or removing fruits or whatever, removing fat, it's not sustainable. No. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's what I like to say when people are telling me they're excluding X, Y, and Z food group. Um, and going to the conversation of, you know, all, you know, the importance of diversity and variety of foods. And if you're excluding mm-hmm. for a food or a food group because of an allergy, diagnosed allergy, or because of an X eth- the cool reason like being a vegetarian or, or vegan and you're doing that for ethical reasons that is very different um, but a lot of times that's not, that's not always the case.
1: Yep and then there's the one that has rigid rules that focus on weight loss and I think that is the interesting part because of course what is the goal of any fad diet to drop a few pounds and so when things are very rigid and very regimented uh, again, maybe from a, like we talked about already, from a structure standpoint, people are comfortable with that, but in the long term, it's not going to work for most people to have those very rigid rules. It's just, you know, again, people can do anything. You can stand on your head for two weeks, but you can't, you know, people can't do, you know, can't do very rigid diets for any significant length of time.
0: Yeah. I think the, the keto diet, I, that's the thing is I think most research has trouble because no one can really stay on it for a long period of time. So it's hard yep. to keep your participants in the study that long. And doesn't that tell you something in and of itself?
1: <laughs> all diet research is like that. They're all short. Right. I mean, they are. Yeah. Um, because people cannot stay on something specific for a long time. They yeah. just can't. Nope. And then finally, makes claims based on single study, (laughs) there we go, we're talking about studies, (laughs) or testimonials only. Oh, my goodness, the testimonials. The
0: testimonials, yeah.
1: Yep. Just like anything.
0: How many people come up and say, oh, so-and-so said this, and, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep
1: the before and after brochures or the websites Mm -hmm. that talk about that, Um, you know, I mean, I'm fine with testimonials. I think those are, they're inspiring to read, Mm
2: -hmm. but
1: they are not an indication of Of success success, (laughs) or or long-term success. Right. I always say that's one person's experience and, you know, we're all very different and we experience things in very different ways. Mm -hmm. And that means that this not may,
2: may not be your experience. Right. Absolutely. I like to emphasize that with everyone that when they're asking for really specific advice or specific structure, be like, well, this is kind of a trial and error process because nutrition is very different for everyone and everyone's body needs different things and reacts differently. There's a a baseline that's similar for everyone, but let's figure out how this needs to be individualized to you. Absolutely. So
1: our goals for this podcast are for you to (laughs) critically think about the next fad diet that you read about and if you have any questions about a fad diet we're happy to talk and again just like the other dietitians that we quoted we would love to hear from you so again drop us a line at dish at secret you can also visit our facebook or excuse me our instagram don't want facebook <laughs> and instagram at secret life dietitians or visit us on twitter at at t dietitians and we want to thank jennifer for joining us yes. today I love working with young dietitians and dietetic students and you guys give us energy and try to keep us from being too, you know, cynical as we've all gotten <laughs> older in our career. So Absolutely. again, thank you. Thank you for joining us today.
0: Yes, thank you.
1: So we look forward to seeing you next time wherever you get your podcast. And again, feel free to reach out to us anytime about any fad diet questions that you may have. See you next time.